dear friend. And uh, we love brother and sister Stephen and Anita Kuntzman from Huntington, West Virginia, associate pastor at Apostolic Life Cathedral. And originally from Kokomo, Indiana, brother Kuntzman is originally from Kokomo, Indiana. He and I grew up together. He's more like a brother uh, to me and to my brother. He and his brother and sister and my brother and sister and I, we all grew up together. And uh, we were groomsmen in each other's weddings. And uh, we just love and honor Brother Kuntzman and Sister Kuntzman. And we're thankful for the wonderful work that the Lord is doing in their ministry and in the ministry of Life Cathedral. And uh, he has a passion for the Word of God. And uh, we are so grateful that he is here tonight. He's going to come and preach the Word of the Lord to you. Uh, could you receive my good friend, Brother Stephen Kuntzman, as he comes to preach the word of the Lord in Jesus' name. God bless you. Praise the Lord, everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. And as my wife is going to come up here for a moment, because she won't be heard back there. God bless me with a good wife. You may be seated. I want to say thank you for the nice room we've been in. It's very, very comfortable. And to Brother Turney, it's good to see you and all the staff here at the church and the musicians, everything has just been great today. How many enjoyed that service this morning? Amen. This is my wife, Anita, and I'm going to let her preach so I don't have to, maybe. I don't know. Praise the Lord. We appreciate being here tonight with your pastor and his beautiful family. Um, you know, my husband always asks me to testify, and I usually pray about that because I do believe when you speak before the children of the Lord that you should know what you're saying, you know? And so um, usually it's a generalized testimony, but tonight um, the Lord laid something on my heart, and I'm going to be quick about this. Um, a few years back, I struggled um, with depression, and um, it was pretty bad. I went through a spell that everything in my life had changed, and during the changes, I worked so hard to get back on my feet, but once the dust settled, um, and I was physically no longer working to get back on my feet, um, war waged against my mind. Um, and during that time, I could not focus. I could not um, recall words that I could normally say in conversation. So if you came up to me and was speaking to me in conversation, I would think that my eyes looked just as blank as my mind <laughs> felt at that time because I couldn't recall things. So I no longer could um, really hold down a job. Um, and it just went, was a spiral downhill. Um, and I struggled. I, uh, it was before my husband came into my life and um, I lived alone. And so how many knows when you shelter yourself from friends and family that things like that just get worse. And so um, you need to surround yourself with friends and family and the church. Um, but one night, um, one day, it was really bad. And I no longer wanted to be here, and I'm sorry if that sounds weak, um, but I no longer wanted to be here. Um, I didn't know 
what my future held. I had no hope. And I had this feeling that would come up, and I really don't even know how to explain it, but when it would come up, it would overwhelm me. It would, um, it would just kind of just like taking the breath of life away from me. And when that would happen, I could not do anything. So in the meantime, I was losing, um, I was hurting people because I could no longer function the way I used to function and people didn't understand that. Um, so I didn't want to be here. And um, so I, I prayed, I prayed a lot. I fasted, I fasted a lot, but nothing seemed to take it away. And I was at home and um, it was really bad and I had gotten rid of um, any kind of Tylenol, it didn't matter. I didn't leave it in my home because I no longer trusted myself. And um, so during that day, it was bad, that feeling, that hopeless feeling, and I don't know how to explain it, it's like a whooshing inside of you. And um, during that day, it just overcame me so hard and I thought, I am not going to make it through this day. I'm not going to make it through this day. And so when I was a little girl, um, to be honest, as a, as a young girl, I think the seed of fear was, um, was planted within my heart. And, and unbeknownst to me, not understanding that as life grew, um, that seed kind of took root. And so if you have a child and you think that um, there's something that you need to address, address that. Don't be scared to address it. And so, um, so when all of this happened, I think that that just that spirit of fear just overwhelmed me. And so, when I was a child, I would take the word of God, and I don't want to mess up my husband's Bible, but I would take the word of God and I would place it under my pillow because it would help me sleep at night. And so, this night, I remembered when I was a child, and I thought, you know what, that's not even good enough. I'm going to open the Word of God, and I'm going to lay my head directly on top of the Word of God. And a miracle happened to me that night. That night, it was like a typewriter. That's all I can explain it, like a typewriter typing the Word of God, word from word, into my mind all night long. And I remember it was words like, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Look into the hills where your help comes from. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And all these words of encouragement and scriptures that I had heard all of my life, scriptures that had been taught in Sunday schools, scriptures that I had um, been planted in me in services, um, all, of these, all of these scriptures, it was like word for word. And I was thinking, wow, I don't know these scriptures word for word. I know the concept, but I don't know the word, know it word for word. Was, where was this during my Bible quiz years? But um, I didn't know them word for word. And so about, I'd say, between five and six, um, I began to, like, kind of come to. And I was questioning that. I'm like, like, you know, I didn't know these word for word what in the world and so I would try to recall them again and I couldn't recall them word for word once again I just knew the concept but something happened to me that day I realized that every tear that I cried every thought that I had every lonely feeling that came on me I knew that at that moment that God loved me that he knew exactly where I was and that he was there with me and he was walking me through it he wasn't saying poof be gone but he was walking me through it because I needed to learn that this word is a light into my feet and a lamp a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path and if every day is shining 
you know what? This word's not going to be so bright if every day is shining. So sometimes it has to be dark and gloomy, and I'm not saying God makes things dark and gloomy, but I'm saying that sometimes he has to teach us to rely on him, not ourselves. And I'm so thankful that that day he showed me that he loved me, that he cared for me, and it changed my life. It changed my life, and I appreciate you guys. Hallelujah. Will you stand with me tonight? You don't know what's going on with the person sitting next to you tonight. Why don't you just close your eyes and put your hand over on somebody's shoulder and just pray for them right now. Father, in Jesus' name, you know the needs, God, in this house tonight. You know the sleepless nights, God. You know the frantic fear, God. You know the anxiety, God, in the mind and in the hearts, Jesus. I pray right now, God, that you would send your love and your power and your sound mind into their spirits tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. Do the work, Jesus. Take them through this valley, through this trial, Jesus. You are exceeding great reward, Jesus. And we love you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. One more time, just raise your hands and love him. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I would like for you to turn your Bibles tonight to Luke chapter 5. It is always my pleasure and privilege to be with your pastor, and he is like a brother to me. And he's younger than me in years, but when I call him, I am always blown away by the amount of wisdom that God has placed in him. And you have a great, a great gift in your pastor. In fact, the Bible said that he is a gift. Ephesians chapter 4. He gave gifts to men. And he gave this church this man. And I'm so glad for it. And so I love Brother Joel Urshan and Sister Heidi and Anna and Sophia, wherever she's at in this house tonight. God bless them. Verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up on the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, Thy sins are forgiven thee. 
And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, now these are the men that Jesus was present to heal. They begin to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise. Take up thy couch and go into thine house. And immediately he arose before them, took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed. They glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. And they glorified God and were all filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. And for a little bit, Take the topic, the glory of a strange day. Praise God. Now shake somebody's hand. Let them know you're happy they're here tonight and you love them. So glad you're here tonight, Tree of Life. And God bless you. Praise God. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. And the corn is as high as an elephant's eye. And it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a beautiful feeling, everything's going my way. I said it before, I've always wanted to go to Broadway. I may never get the chance, but you know, some mornings, some days, some moments, they come to us and it's as if God has kissed that day in our life. It's complete with joy and calm and peace and contentment. The children ain't acting up. The grandchildren aren't fighting. It's just a great, perfect, wonderful day. And it just seems like no matter what you would put your hand to do, it would succeed on that day. It's just a beautiful, wonderful, great day. But what do you do when the day isn't beautiful? What about the days when the glory isn't there? What about the hours spent suffering in your mind and your spirit because you're worried about a problem that just will not go away? There was a lady in our home church, Pastor Urshan. One day she called me up. We had ministered one of the last times I preached there at the church on a topic She had been dealing with shame in her life, dealing with guilt of past mistakes she had made. She told me, she said, for 20 years I've dealt with this. For 20 years I woke up every day 
guilt-ridden and upset and hurt because a long time ago my daughter got pregnant at a young age and I took her to get an abortion. And since then I just can't seem to get over it. I'm baptized in the name of Jesus now and I've received the gift of the Holy Ghost, but still this thing keeps on robbing me of the victory in my life. Let me tell you right now, the devil is a liar. I don't care what you've done or where you've been. He is a forgiving and a merciful God. And so we preached and talked to her about the three major relationships in life. That is, the relationship you have with God, yourself, and other people. And the Bible says, The greatest commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you can't love yourself, as the pastor said this morning, you can't really love anybody else. And so we talked with her and we dealt with her. And God broke that thing in her life and gave her the victory. And I'm so glad we serve a God who breaks chains. Jesus breaks every fetter and he sets men free. He sets women free. I've seen children set free. There are children we've seen coming through our church. I'm sure you've had them here that have suffered in the system. They have been hurt by people that should have loved them, and yet God set them free. There are days that you might want to say to yourself, I wish I'd stayed in bed today, or I'm ready for this day to end. There was a time in my life that I said to myself, I wonder how many hours I got so I can go back to bed again. I just want to crawl back in there and hide away. And I would ask myself, is it always going to be like this? Or when will this end? Or is this all there is to my life? Is there, is, is there more than this? And we sing as a prayer sometimes. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, see his glory and his grace. And really we're saying, Lord, right now, that'd be a great time. You, even so, Lord, come quickly. Amen. That's what we want. I can't handle one more bad doctor's report. I can't survive another fight with my spouse. I can't afford to bail my children out of trouble again. Or I can't take one more day on this job. Or I can't pay these bills. I just don't got the money. How am I going to make it? I'm, they're going to come and turn my electric or my gas off. Or I don't, I don't want to be lonely anymore. I'm tired of being by myself. There are many reasons why today might not seem that glorious to you. It might be something that you would never want to tell anybody. But we used to sing a song that said, tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. And you can tell it to Jesus alone. Psalm 30 verse 5 for his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for the night, but cometh joy cometh in the morning. First off, we see from that it, always, it ain't always going to be like this. But there is a commentary that talks about how this weeping is a stranger. 
weeping wants to lodge with you, but it's only going to lodge for you for a temporary amount of time. It may endure, but it's just going to endure for a night. But there is a joy coming in the morning. I'm not just talking about the joy of heaven. God has joy for you right now upon this earth. Amen. The Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard, and neither has it entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And that's not talking about heaven. That's talking about right here and right now. There are benefits and blessings that God has set out for you in order for you to have and to enjoy and to take part in. All you got to do is say, Jesus, here I am. Fill me with these gifts and these blessings. Revelation 22, verse 5, and There shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. It's going to be one eternal day without a night. That's heaven. But what about right here and right now? What about what I'm going through in this very moment? How am I going to get through this situation? Paul said, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. The things are seen, they're temporal. The things that are not seen, they are eternal. There are things going on in the temporal world right now that they're affecting you, but I want you to know there's eternal weight of glory. They're working an eternal weight of glory. Glory is coming. It's coming, but there is a certain amount of glory right here and right now that God wants you to have so that you can live in faith and in victory. Look at your neighbor and tell him you don't have to live like that no more. And you might be saying, I'm not living like that right now. Hold on. Amen. Amen. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to rejoice even when everything around me is falling apart. I'm going to go into the house of the Lord. I'm going to lift my hands before God and I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to give Him glory. I'm going to give Him praise. You need to make that your mantra. Lord, whatever happens, I'm going to praise You. Whatever I'm going through, Jesus, I'm going to lift You up. It doesn't matter how dark the night, Jesus, I am going to worship you. That passage, this is the day which the Lord hath made, it comes from Messianic prophecy in the book of Psalms. Chapter 118, verse 19 and 26, it says, Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into the righteous shall enter, into which the righteous shall enter. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused to become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that I know who Jesus is. He is the chief. He is the head cornerstone at night. And when I took on his name in baptism, he put his name on me and he sealed me and he put me in a position where I can receive all the blessings that he has for me. 
You can be partakers tonight of the divine nature of Jesus Christ if you recognize who you are in Jesus Christ. You are a child of Jesus Christ. You are a son and a daughter of Jesus Christ because you had your name put on you when you were baptized in his name. And neither is salvation any other, for there is none other name unto heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And when we talk about the divine nature, we're talking about several things. We're talking about, fruit of, first of all, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And then we're also talking about the divine nature that Peter talked about, where we add to our faith virtue, the virtue knowledge, the knowledge temperance, and godliness and brotherly kindness and charity. All those things are wrapped up. We have participation in that because we are a part of the family of Jesus Christ. So the Bible tells a story about two brothers. One, we call it the prodigal. He told his father, he said, Dad, I want what's coming to me. I want my part of the inheritance. I want it now. So his dad parted out the inheritance and he gave it to him. And the Bible lets us know he went out and he spent it all. He had a great time and a party. And one day he realized, I don't have any money left. And nobody was there to party with him anymore. And he was in the pig pen, if you will. He was sick of his life now because everything was going bad. And he said something. He said in the Word of God, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. He still had an identification with the Father. He still knew no matter how far I have fallen, no matter how bad the night is, I am still the Son of God. And I don't know how far you've fallen or how far you might be straying or what you're considering in straying from, but I want you to know tonight you can lift up your eyes into the hills from which cometh your help. Your help cometh from God. He is your Father and He loves you. We know that he loves you because the father in the story of the prodigal saw his son coming a great way off and he ran and met him. He ran and wrapped his arms around him and begun to love on him. I want you to know God wants to love on you tonight. He is not resistant to you. So often people think God is resisting me. God is not resisting you. God loves you. And so the father has a great party for the son. Gives him all kinds of gifts. And the elder brother, he's upset about it. He gets angry. He says some things to his father. His father, the Bible says his father came to him. He came to him. Like leaving the 90 and 9 and going out for the one. He didn't just come out for the prodigal son. He came out for his other son. Now, people in the church have been sitting in pews for years. The Lord is still coming out for you. He's still coming looking for you. He seeks you and He calls out to you daily. We used to sing a song that said He was there all the time, waiting patiently in line. And He was there all the time. He's there waiting on you. He's there looking after you. He's there calling your name. So he came to his son, and his son said, he said in one translation, I have worked like a slave for you. 
He was the elder brother. He had received the inheritance by virtue of the fact that his brother received his inheritance. But he had no identification as a son. He wanted to identify as a son. But he had a thinking in his mind that was messed up. And that he did not understand. He did not have to be a servant and a slave. He was the son of the father. You are the son of the father tonight. You are a daughter of the father tonight. So often people get stuck trying to work their way into the Father's favor. Working their way into pleasing Him. Trying to satisfy Him by doing all kinds of things. And sometimes the people that look like they got it all together. They're at church every service. They're there early and they leave late. But it's those same people sometimes that get stuck working for the Lord instead of having a relationship with Him and loving Him and understand that He loves them. So the elder brother, he said, I have worked like a slave for thee. How sad to think that we, the children of God, would think that we would somehow have to get into that type of mindset where we were slaves. I was praying for a couple ladies at church the other night. They have a hard time, it seems, living for the Lord. And every time they come to the altar, they have their hands up. You've seen this pose right here. It's down as low as they can get that chin. And they're living in shame and embarrassment. I said, you need to raise your head up. Look, lift your chin up. You are a child of God. You're his daughter. You're his son. You can boldly approach the throne of grace. Let me say that again. You can boldly approach the throne of grace. Why don't you just lift your hands right now to call out to Jesus. Jesus, I love you. I am your son, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. You made a way for me, Jesus. I worship your name, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Bible says rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I don't know how hurtful you might be going, or how, how much hurt you might be going through right now. But I want you to raise your hand and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know how confused you might be right now, but just lift your hand and say, thank you, Jesus. Or maybe you can remember a time when you were hurting and you were confused. Just raise your hand and say, thank you, Jesus. I remember a time I couldn't sleep, and God brought me out of that. Thank you, Jesus. So they brought this guy to Jesus. He had palsy. He was a paralytic. He couldn't move. The room was full of men of the law, doctors of the law and the Pharisees, and they were sitting around, and they definitely weren't going to make room for nobody. You know, the worst kind of people are religious people sometimes. We don't want to give up our seat. Amen. 
So they were sitting there. But the presence of God was there to heal them. But they were too busy being critical in the moment of what was going on around them to catch a hold of what God was wanting to do for them. God help us that we become so critical that we miss the move of God in our services. It was too hot in there tonight. It was too cold. It was too loud. It wasn't loud enough. He preaches about that same stuff all the time. Whatever your complaint is, get rid of it. They were there. Jesus was there. The power of God was present to heal them. And none of them is recorded being healed. It tells me that even though the power of God is present to heal, you have to be ready to be healed yourself. Do you really want deliverance? Do you really want to be free? Do you want to really be made whole? The presence of God is here to do all that. But do you want it? So they brought a man who illustrated physically exactly what they were emotionally and spiritually. They were crippled and they were paralyzed in their spirits and in their minds and in their thinking. And God wants to free the church of that problem. Now I'm glad I'm in a church tonight that really doesn't have that problem. Amen? There is a free flow of worship in this house. And there is a joy that's in this house. And God is moving you forward and onward in the great things. But don't ever fall into the trap of them Pharisees and them doctors of the law or that other brother where you're sitting around and complaining or sitting around and not being mindful of what's going on. We can become so used to the presence of God and we can handle the anointing so often and so much that we forget what it is like before we ever had the Holy Ghost. People that come in and they have handled the anointing. We have seen people's bodies healed before our eyes and yet we come complacently into a house of worship with the people of God. Forgetting what God has done. God is present here to heal somebody. So they were spiritually paralyzed with fear. And they were intimidated by one another because they knew everybody else was going to be the same way. Like we said earlier, you know, something about righteous religious people. They're always thinking, well, somebody else. And I'm not talking, there's not all, not all religious things are bad, Amen. But there's this idea that comes with it. People are looking for authenticity. They're looking for realness in people. They're looking for somebody to say, listen, I'm not standing up here on a pedestal. I, I, I'm a man with clay feet and I fall. And I know what it's like for Jesus to lift me back up again. Praise God. I remember I was at a meeting one time. And at the meeting... The man began the meeting on a very serious topic about sexual morality and, and a, a, a specific sin. And he began spending the first 15 minutes telling everybody about he had never had a problem like this in his life. People don't need to hear that. They need someone to say, listen, I know what it's like to be tempted. I'm so glad I know that Jesus was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. 
He is such a great example to us. He is our perfect model. That he would suffer. He would be despised and rejected of men and a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And yet, he, the same God that went through all of that is here tonight to lift somebody up and to heal. It was the beautiful, there's the beauty of a strange day. The glory of a strange day. They say, we have this, it's strange. How is it that God in flesh was in their presence and they could say it's a strange day? It was out of character? Listen, it's never out of character in a Pentecostal church for God to move and people to be healed. But God forbid that we should ever liken the church to just a building with four by four, two by twos, two by fours, and, and 16 by 16 and all that stuff. I'm not a builder. Trusses, all that stuff. God forbid that we, should just, that we should just denigrate the church to a level of being just a place of bricks and stone and mortar and wood. The church is you and it's me. We are not confined to this building. Thank God for this building. Thank God for the building you're getting ready to build. But the church is you and me. And he said, go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. He didn't say go into a church building and wait on them to come in. Because there are people at the supermarkets and on the jobs and out here at the gas station that need the same thing you've got. And how are they ever going to know except somebody come and tell them, listen, I know about a man that can save you and deliver you and heal your body, mind, and spirit. He's here right now. Please stand with me. He's here right now. Praise God. I don't know how you do it around here. Your altar calls necessarily. I just want you to close your eyes right now and raise your hands. If you've got a need, I just want you to begin to call out to God right now. Jesus, I need you. You know my situation, God. You know those who are here tonight that need healing in their body, God. You know those who are here tonight that are low in spirit. You know perhaps that one that's backslidden or perhaps that's one that's not even been born again, God. But they, they've been hearing your voice and you're calling out to them right now, Jesus. I pray you would go into their life right now and touch them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Anybody want to come up front tonight, be prayed for? Anybody want to come up tonight and pray and seek God? I'm asking to come right now in Jesus' name. Diane Osborne, brother, she came to the altar that night. 20-year problem gone in a night because Jesus met her need that night. I don't know how long you've been going through it. I don't know how long you've been serving God and still fighting this thing on the side that nobody else knows about. But if you come forward tonight, I believe God will touch you and he will deliver you from that thing that's plaguing your mind and plaguing your spirit. And he is a healer as well of bodies. So come forward right now 
as they begin to sing. You are here, moving in our midst. Hallelujah. Just raise your hands. I worship you. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you. Hallelujah. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. For you are way maker, miracle work. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are my way maker, promise keeper. 